Welcome to Space Floor NBA Podcast. My name is Connor Geelan. And I'm Connor Flannery. And this is our 56th official episode. We're here again on Zoom, this, this time talking about the G League, and we're talking whether the G League can ever be profitable. Um, this is relevant for two reasons. For one, uh, Jalen Green and Isaiah Todd, the number one and the number 13 draft selections, I guess, for the, for the class of 20. Yeah, for, for the class of 2020 on ESPN. They both signed to the G League and opted to do that instead of signing with, I think it was like Auburn or Michigan or Memphis um, in the NCAA. So there's one reason for that. And also because the finances of the NBA are now important in a season that is cut short because of suspension um, that have had low TV ratings and also because uh, Daryl Morey tweeted about Hong Kong and then China just decided to get mad at the NBA. Um, so for those three reasons, the cap was projected to go down and uh, player players are getting like pay cuts. Like right now, I think a quarter of player salaries are now going to be withheld. Um, and so we're just wondering, how can the NBA make money? How can players continue to make money? And personally, our eyes go to the G League just because that, that that's what's in the news right now. And so the way this is going to work is I have done research and I'm trying to make a case of why the G League can be profitable for the NBA and you Connor Flannery have not done any research on this and you're gonna kind of poke holes in my argument or exactly have questions I'm, I'm I'm sort of I'm I'm walking into this a little bit doubtful as to how profitable the G League can be I don't I have sort of my preliminary opinion is that it's going to be a little bit more difficult to market um the G League the way that the NBA and the professional basketball leagues do um because it's so dependent, especially the NBA, more than really any of their sports leagues, they market players more than teams. And so I'll be interested to see. I mean, that is going to change with now, as you mentioned, two of the top recruits from this graduating high school senior class, um, five-star recruits are going to be playing on G League teams, right? Those are players that are easier to market than, um, than some of the other unknowns in the G League. But I still think that it lacks a little bit of the star caliber players to, to make a lot of money the same way the NBA does. But I'm interested to see what you have to say. Yeah, so I guess let's just go with context. Uh, the coin to like select contract is aimed for high school elite seniors and the NBA G League will sign them. Last year, it was created for the first time and the pay was $125,000, which sounds like a lot on the surface um especially because the average g league contract is 35k which is like 114th of that um but honestly it's it's worth it because if not then you have guys just going to the ncaa maybe getting paid on the tape under the table who knows or you have guys going over to the nbl in in australia um and so basically like what the what the select contract does is you put them you put you put the high school talent like on a team it's not any ordinary g league team because that seems a little bit lame for them i guess um and so you put them i think the team for isaiah todd and jalen green are going to be like in los angeles or something because that's where they're from and so you put them on a team they scrimmage other g league teams they scrimmage national teams they go to like life seminars and they, they get a free scholarship to college like after they're playing or whatever. Um, and so it, it's, it's not like they're just on any other G league team. So I guess that is kind of a, 
a, a thing in the way of, of the G League making profit because it's not like they're just another employee. But then again, the G League oversees every step of the process. The G League hires the coach. The G League um, says who they're going to play. The G League will probably have rights to the, like those like games if they're televised or whatever. And so I guess let's just talk about that contract. It used to be, again, called the select contract. It used to be 125K. This year, it got bumped up to 500K. Um, for at least at least for those two um, but when, when you talk about incentives for like uh, their their built-in contract ex- incentives for like playing extra games going to certain like meetings and seminars and just kind of like cooperating uh, Jalen Green could be making north of one million dollars uh, again that's in a league that has that's in a league that pays players 35k for five months of basketball um, and it also I'm pretty sure the entire like sort of bonus system, which is like, if you win this award, you get extra bonus. Uh, If you shoot this many three pointers, you get a bonus for the entire league. That's only three and a half million dollars. So that's like, that's like only like three times Jalen Green's contract, you know? Yeah. So, so like the general concept is you're paying essentially like a max contract, like a super max um, in G league terms to these names and that's a little bit questionable when it, it's a time where like everyone's pockets are tied tight you know um and so that's the issue of is it worth it um and ob- like the g league like provides services for the ncaa like like 53 percent of of players were in the g league at some point um who are now in the nba and so i'm i'm personally at the position that this contract is absolutely worth it because like you have to for which out. side um we can talk about the high school players later but i'm i'm just talking strictly from the from the perspective of the uh, of the g league and of the nba um because well first of all like like one million dollars sounds like a lot but like and it and it is but like that's what minimum contract players make in the league and i was gonna fine. say not when chris paul is making 40 million <laughs> at 37 years old or whatever so yeah um yeah, so I guess just with with some perspective, like that's not that much, especially because the, the NBA sometimes like subsidizes the G League, um, and and I understand they're not going to be able to do that as much because the NBA is also having like financial struggles. But you have to see that this contract is is necessary to bring in big talent. Um, oh, I I, I have <laughs> I I can prove that because like. If you look at like the NBL, the National Basketball League of like Australia or something like that, that's where Lamelo um, played or is playing still right now, right? Yeah, wrong. I think he's playing for a team called the Hawks. Yeah, yeah the something something Hawks, um, and then RJ Hampton, who's also a projected mm. top ten pick, is playing for the New Zealand Breakers, and they actually have a program kind of like the G League Select contract. Uh, it's called Next Stars, and yeah, so like Lamelo and RJ Hampton and other guys can go there, and it's a similar sort of program, except they're like you know actually on teams, uh, and they're free to sign contracts. RJ Hampton signed a contract with Lee Ning, which uh, if you know like they they produced like Dwayne Wade Shield, uh, and so they they didn't come out with like the actual number, but I'm pretty sure it's north of like five like like 500k or something like that because. 
the, the average player makes like 100K, but like RJ Hampton's a bigger deal than that. And the plus shoe endorsements. So that's a, I mean, that's a very good point um, because I don't know if you remember, but there was an issue that LaMelo Ball potentially wouldn't be eligible for NCAA play because he had a shoe deal with uh, Big Baller brand. Um, so he, had, he already had some sort of professional contract. So he wasn't, he was potentially not going to be eligible to play in NCAA where you can't be making money. You're a student and you're student athlete and your, your, I guess, reward for playing on those teams is that you get a free scholarship to college um, in theory. But I guess in addition to just that um, million dollar contract that you were talking about, those players could go sign a shoe deal or be advertised by different companies. Like you didn't see Zion Williamson and, uh, endorsement deals while he was at Duke, but I'm sure in New Orleans he's all over the place right now. Yeah, absolutely. Like, can you imagine what a Zion Duke mm. shoe deal would have been? Like, exactly. It's, a, it's the same thing. Like, RJ Hampton plays for the New, New Zealand Breakers, and I don't know if they're a popular team or not, but he is, um, obviously. And, and I'm sure you'd never heard of the New Zealand Breakers, neither had I, before yeah. RJ Hampton was on the team. Yeah, absolutely. It gets so, people talking. Yeah, and teams are incentivized to sign these guys just because mm. it, it, it draws eyes. Um, yeah, and then players, they're not allowed um, in the NCAA to sign shoe deals. And I guess in, in the G League, they are now. Um, but like, like RJ Hampton signed a five-year deal with Lee Nick. So what, even, even if he goes into the NBA and is a bust, if he's the next Anthony Bennett, he's making money for the next four years of his NBA career just off of endorsements based off of the hype when he was 17. It's crazy. Yeah, man, I think like just shifting more towards just like the the value of these players. Like I I'm sure you can speak to that like these like 16, 17, 8-year-old uh 18-year-olds are their own brand, right? Like For sure. I mean, in an age part of the part of the reason that the that the NBA TV contracts are down is that we live in an age of social media where you can kind of follow the NBA just by following various Instagram accounts. You know who's going to be the next big thing in the NBA draft because you you know you see on YouTube Lamella Ball dropping ninety one points in a high school game highlights. So you can keep track of those sort of things. You can follow different players on Instagram via social media. You can be very in touch with the basketball world without ever watching a live NBA game. Um, and so part of the reason that I think that the TV numbers are down is actually that all the social media numbers are way up. Um, and so uh, when we start to see those players at younger and younger ages, amassing huge followings, getting attention, not only from scouts, but just from fans who think they're going to be seeing those guys in the NBA one day, right? Like Mikey Williams, LeBron James, those are guys that have thousands of people coming to watch their high school games as like freshmen. Um, because they're that well known. Obviously, Le uh, Bronny James is the son of LeBron James, so that's one reason in itself. But he's not the top prospect in that class. Mikey Williams is, um, and so he's having sort of similar clout and similar attention for for other reasons, just because of his play alone. Um, and so, yeah, like, like you said, that, that comes from that comes the, from the rise of like Ball is Life, mm, House of Highlights, whatever. Those players are their own brand, right? Like even just today, I saw a clip of Colin Sexton. Uh, playing in high school like there are players in the NBA today who are still better known for their high school mixtape than what they've actually done in the league um very true. And Andrew Wiggins I mean that's just the truth of you know what it is right and and so 
like we knew Zion Williamson, what Zion Williamson's name when he was 16 years old playing at Spartanburg as a sophomore, right? And now he just got drafted as number one overall pick. So you can see that, you know, you can see the, the, um, the trajectory of that player's career. Um, and so, like you said, at younger and younger ages, those, star- those players are becoming stars. They're becoming, you know, social media influencers. They're becoming their own brands um, before they get anywhere near a professional league. Um, and so that, like you said, is, is profit opportunity for the NBA, for the G League to just move, keep getting younger and younger, being able to make money off of those guys because they already have the fame, the attention, people will watch them. Yeah, just just for some context, while while you were doing that, I went on to Instagram. Uh, Lamelo Ball, of course, he's like a unique case because his brothers and whatever and Lavar, but like the G League has one million followers on Instagram. Solid, it's whatever. Lamelo Ball has five point three. That that's in millions. Hmm. Um, R.J. Hampton has five hundred k, which which is half the G League following. Um, you have like Zion already has like five million, but he's in the league. Imoni Bates, who's the best sophomore in the country, has has three hundred k. Mikey Williams has two million. Like, imagine just like if if a few of those guys like come to the league. I'm gonna search up Jalen Green to see what he does. But uh, Jalen Green is that is one of those five star recruits that they just signed with the G League. Yeah, um, I can't even find him. But yeah, it's just especially in a sport where it's where it's star driven like i eyes will come people's Mm -hmm. attention will come even like like i don't think college basketball will ever die right like because either you go there uh so like like people a lot of the time people don't really like care about like the individual players like i think the fans that will go away are primarily nba fans who watch college basketball for the next big thing but i think the like the dukes will never die the unc's will never die because they'll have fans that were raised duke and unc fans that weren't raised like jj reddick fans you know yeah um and so i i don't think nca will take that big of a hit i think the only thing that will take a big hit is like if you watched like arizona state for james harden alone or if Here's here's the thing. How does how does the G League become super profitable without the NCAA taking any hit in profit? I, I don't think it'll take like zero, but I, I don't think it'll take a lot because again, like like most of their money come from like the blue blood the blue bloods and, and come from like because like like people will keep watching anyways. Um, but I, I would think- argue I would argue that most of the money that the NCAA is going to make in a college basketball season is probably coming from March Madness. Absolutely. They make a billion dollars off of dis- distribution rights. Yeah. So, so does March Madness get affected at all? If, if, if there's no uh, Isaiah Todd and Jalen Green in it? I don't think so. I, th- I think like, like the very certain game, like no one would have watched the Murray state game last year if, if John Morant wasn't playing, but then again, that's like two games, you know? Um, so I think in general, people will still watch because the, the talent pool is big enough in the United States to where people will still hit buzzer beaters, you know? For sure. Um, That's but, a good point. So I don't think the quality of basketball will go that much down. Um, it just, it'll be slightly the big names. But the important thing is like in college basketball, people watch for the teams. And in professional basketball, people watch for the players. I think that's the biggest dis- uh, 
disparity between those two. That's um, a good point. I, although I, I think that it's becoming more and more in the direction of um, people are watching college basketball for the names, because I think that, well, it's true that, that it used to be players would make a name for themselves in terms of their NBA careers and NBA trajectory in college. I think now those players are making a name for themselves in high school. And then by the time they get to college, they already have a fan base. They already have a following. They already have a brand. Um, and so now people are tuning into those games to see those players that they already know are established. Um, yeah. I, and so I there are also... still those college fans, but I think there's also a lot of player marketing that happens naturally just off of the ball is life mixtapes and whatever. Yeah. I also think a, a good point there that I'll, I'll like concede, I guess, um, is that the blue, the blue buds in general have also gone more and more towards the one and done towards the big names. Like just look at Duke last year, like they, they had Zion and, and Cam Reddish and, and RJ Barrett. Uh, the past few years, they had Jason Tatum, Brandon Ingram. Those are all one-and-done big-name guys, uh, top of the draft class, whatever. And so, like, 15 years ago, Christian Leitner and J.J. Redick would stay for four years. Mm. Um, whereas, I think, I, I was listening to the J.J. Redick podcast with Kyrie Irving. Uh, it happened, like, two years ago, but I was just I was just listening to it because I'm crazy. And so, the big the big shift was whenever the year that uh, Okafor was there, um, because before they would always have like, like one guy, they would always Joe have like, Okafor? yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, they, they would always have like, they would take one of those one and done guys, but then mm-hmm. the rest of the team would be built up through three and four year guys. Um, but that year, instead of just having one Kyrie Irving, they had Okafor and Winslow and someone else, Tyus Jones, maybe. Um, but That's I don't know, there's right. a third. Um, and so they had all those guys. So I, I think a good point will be what happens, like like will some of the huge teams, um, the Kentuckys, the even Kansases, that, that like make up the majority of revenue for college basketball because they have the biggest fans, will those teams be bad for a little bit? And will that hurt them? Just something, something to think about. Um, so yeah, I, I don't really think NCA will take that big of a hit, but I I do think that because basketball is a star-driven league, because we have the most famous like players, just in terms of like in terms of followers, in terms like in social media, in terms of pay often, and just in terms of I'm pretty sure like Forbes did a like a top 100 athletes list, like LeBron was super high, KD, Curry were up there, of course Jordan, whereas. You, Tom Brady was like number 80 or something like that. And then there were no baseball players. Like it, and it could be because they have helmets. It could, be, it could be because there are more players on the field, but like basketball is more highlight driven, more dunk driven, more star driven. And so I think the best possible way for a league to make money is to get those high, is to get those high profile guys. So I think that that's the Great. main reason. That's the main reason why I think that, no matter how much you pay them, it's worth it. Like, like you, you could be paying uh, Mikey Williams $5 million in the G League and you would make a profit. You, you would still come out a winner in that deal. So I guess part of the reason I'm a little bit doubtful is I don't think I would ever put on a G League game instead of watching an NBA game. I have NBA League Pass at home. So essentially anytime there's an NBA game on, I can be watching that. So 
I kind of doubt that there will ever be enough incentive just based off of those next up five-star recruits kind of guys um, for me to watch them instead of the NBA because basically the hope is that they will become the next stars of the NBA. So I wouldn't, why wouldn't I just watch the current NBA stars? So I guess is, is the G league hosting most of its games during at the same time as the NBA season? Are they planning to do that like over the summer? Because if they did that in the NBA off season, I'd be lining up to watch Isaiah Todd and Jalen green for sure. But I just think like college basketball happens at the same time as NBA basketball. But I don't watch a single college basketball game until March Madness, unless I'm actually there. Well, I'll go see Villanova sometimes at MSG, but I don't watch college basketball until March Madness. So I guess my point is, how do you make to the average NBA fan the G League very watchable, very profitable? Because social media, the highlights from the G League, the the Isaiah Todd and Jalen Green highlights on House, House of Highlights, Police Report, Sports Center on Instagram aren't um, like you, you aren't able to be monetized by the NBA, by the G league, as in they're not going to be getting money off of that. I'm pretty sure they are because like the reason they are able to get that is because it's being filmed. And the reason it's being filmed is because the G league already has deals with ESPN, Facebook, NBA TV. But the, but the to- issue is that you can post an NBA clip freely on Instagram and they don't track that. Like, the 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 NBA doesn't get money for every view, every like, every click um, a video of Michael Jordan dunking gets on Instagram. That's the problem. And so if the only people who are, if the only thing that gets watched is social media clips, just the highlights of Isaiah Todd and Jalen Green in the G League on different social media platforms instead of the actual TV games or instead of people tuning into SportsCenter to watch the, SC top 10, then the NBA doesn't actually get paid for that. Yes. Not monetized. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, so that's, that's, that's the point, only way but... they can make profit is getting people to actually sit down and watch the games and be in front of ads. I will say another thing is there is a bigger trend in the NBA with trying to monetize social media. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's like, because like how highlights gets charged like whenever they post like an nba clip that I'm fairly certain that could be true i'm actually not sure but i know because i used to run like a smaller nba account the nba never charged me like that might yeah. be because i only had a few hundred followers or whatever you know but um like uh, maybe it's different when you have like you know 20 million or 15 million whatever house of highlights does um but as far as i know that even that um, like uh, posting on social media, I think it's pretty hard to keep track of. There's, I don't think there's a lot of, you know, trademark stuff going on there. I could be yeah. wrong though. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's fair. Um, I do think though that like, I'm not exactly sure it works, but I'm like, just like right now, like the G league is the most like sponsored minor league in American sports. You have, ESPN has a deal for, for distribution. Facebook has a deal for distribution. NBA TV does uh, this thing called like 11 sports. I don't personally know what it is, but like they pay to like be able to distrib- distribute it. Uh, and Twitch does as well. Um, and so 
those are all like like things that people would go to um and i understand that like social media is a big one that they wouldn't um but you, even like the g in g league is it's is paid for yeah it, it used to be a d that's a good point and, yeah so like just those big sponsorships not even including like ads just to be on the court like like nba t- uh like companies pay an insane amount of money to have their like name on a court or name on a banner in the background during that highlight that you're watching on Instagram. That's, that's very true. Yeah. So if you have, if, if I'm the New York there, I'm the Westchester Knicks and I'm like, Hey, Verizon, you want to renew? Like you have your name on our, on our court right now. Not even the, not even the big name, just like a name in the, in the corner. You want to mm-hmm. renew this? Well, last time you charged us X and last time we charged you X because we only had uh, like 5,000 people watching our game. Now we get like a million, a million impressions per month with, with your name on it. So I'm going to charge you five times more. I yeah. Think that, that's, that's the main thing there. So I, I think it's a, it's a very good point. That I wasn't even thinking about the on-court advertisements are really strong and the name Gatorade for the G League also makes a lot of sense. I guess the the only problem is I think the NBA makes the most money off of off its TV deals. Um yeah. And so if you if you don't get to put if you don't get to decide what like when you're watching that clip on Instagram, it's Instagram that decides what ads you see basically. Um or what to put in front of you. It's Instagram that gets your data. Um it's not the NBA that's choosing to put a Chevrolet commercial, you know, like every, you know, 10 minutes or whatever. So they don't get the money from that. So they're going to have to get creative and think of other ways to be profitable. But certainly what you just pointed out makes a lot of sense as a, as a start. That's one way that they can make some money off of this. Yeah. Um, And so I just think that's the main way. Uh, there's this guy like Daniel Cohen. He is like the the media consultant writes at like Octagon, uh, which like partners with with the G League and just partners with a bunch of like sports companies. Uh, and he he did some quote online that was like, uh, like a G League with with a bunch of high school recruits would like command like tens of millions of dollars through I guess just everything I mentioned. Um, and I guess just that's sort of like the end of end of my thing. I think they had to pay them that much because they had competitors in the Australian league who are like making like a, at least half a million dollars per year um, outside of like shoe deals. Uh, and then I think no matter what, just having increased viewership on socials, on ESPN, on NBA TV, like that's a pretty compelling case. And like, if they market it, I, this is more just like, I feel like this would be so cool and, and funny. Like if, if you're just on ESPN and then there's an ad, you know, how like, they add they advertise their own games on ESPN. Yeah. So like it's so like what if you're watching like a like a six p.m. game and you're like and they're like next up and it's like like how much money would you have paid to like see Jordan play their play his first professional season live or like LeBron mm. plays first professional season live or Kobe and and then it's like it's like you can watch the next Zion Williamson play against the next John Morant tonight as the Fort Wayne Mad Ants take on <laughs> the main, take on the main Red Claws. I, you could definitely hype that up. That's a good point. Um, That'd be hella swag. I guess uh, I got I guess I got some couple questions before we wrap up. So so one of them is does will this G League thing make the NBL 
obsolete. The NBL being the league that RJ Hampton and Lamella Ball play in right now, um, is it going to sort of replace it? Is it going to eliminate the need for players to go overseas as an alternative playing in college? Uh, I do think so because the primary incentive for guys like RJ Hampton, LaMelo Ball, uh, in the past, I think uh, Emmanuel Moutier did it, mm. Brandon Jennings did it. Uh, the primary incentive was just to get money before you go to the league. So I think that if you can do that while also staying, you know, like in your home country, like, yeah. That's, All right. Uh, that, that's, that's my answer, <laughs> I guess. I think also, um, I forget where I saw this, but it's, I think I said saw somewhere that this new G League thing was supposed to be, Adam Silver said that it was supposed to be sort of an intermediary step while the NBA works on trying to sort of eliminate the, the one and done rule, the rule that you can't just come right out of high school. Mm-hmm. So I guess I would say that the, 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 the best opportunity for the G League to be profitable is just as you try to just get players out of college, prove that players going for spending one year in the G League and going to the NBA works. And then eventually you eliminate the need for players to be 19 years old or one year removed from their high school graduating class so they could just go right to the NBA. Yeah. Do you think that's the next step? And do you think that's, that is the, one of the biggest reasons why it's most profitable? Or do you think that even if they don't change that rule, the G League can be profitable in itself? I think that if they don't change the one and done rule, I think G League will be profitable. I think if they do change it, the G League will no longer be as profitable, but the NBA will just be more profitable. So who cares? Um, it's that's just a good point. In general. I, I would say that's the way I would look at it. Um, is that if it ends up being that the G, this G League thing works out so well that players aren't even really going to college anymore, the NBA will probably end up eliminating that one and done rule and just saying, okay, you can draft players right out of high school, send them down to the G League if you want to, or they can just play in the NBA. And if they're playing the NBA, there's more stars, more young talent, more brands that you can market towards and stars that you can create, hype up, sell jerseys, sell tickets, create advertising deals, endorsements, all of it, cha-ching, big money for the NBA. Um, so I, I think that you actually made a very good case. I'm, I'm more optimistic about this G League thing than I was previously because um, I was a little bit skeptical about will people actually sit down and watch a TV, uh, a TV like or a televised game of the you know main Red Claws versus the Westchester Knicks or whatever? Um, but I think that this could be an interesting step, whether it's just on social media, whether they limit the one and done rule, whatever they do. I think the NBA is going to be pretty creative in finding a new way to make money off of this uh, five-star recruit five-star recruits just coming to the G league instead of going to the NCAA. I think they will capitalize. I think Adam Silver and his team are really freaking smart. Um, they're so they're, they're, they're so out. good at their jobs, bro. I was going to say like Adam Silver is, he's nice with it. He has it. <laughs> he's, got, he's got the goods. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's all I have to say. Do you have any more questions? I think you answered them for me. Okay, cool. Hopefully, uh, if if any of our listeners have some questions, they'll leave them down in the comments. They'll hit us up on social media, um, and we continue this discussion. I think it's a really interesting topic. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
So thank you so much for listening to this episode of Space Floor MB podcast. We hope you enjoyed. If you're listening on YouTube, like and subscribe, that would be really uh, appreciated. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, uh, leave a review and follow us on Instagram at Space the Floor Podcast and on Twitter at Space the Floor. And thank you so much for watching. My name is Connor Geeland. And I'm Connor Flattery. And see you next time. Peace. Shout out to the G League.